Today on In Spirit and Truth with Pastor J.D. Farag. I'm talking about somebody that is born again of the Spirit of God, and then you have the audacity to question whether or not they're a Christian or not. That is the height of spiritual pride, and I think we are never, no, I don't think, I know, we are never more like the devil than when we're full of pride. We're never more like Satan than when we're full of pride. Because Satan is the epitome of pride. He is the personification of pride. You're listening to In Spirit and Truth, the radio ministry of Pastor J.D. Barag of Calvary Chapel, Kaneohe. Pastor J.D. is currently teaching through the book of Job. We must not allow pride to enter our hearts. Even if we're the best follower of Christ, we must be certain that our accomplishments are given to Him. Pastor J.D. warns us that pride in ourselves will ultimately lead towards cruelty towards others and the disregard for the grace of Jesus. Approach all successes with a heart of humility and thanksgiving. Now, be sure to stay with us after today's message to hear how you can get your own copy of today's broadcast. Subscribe to the In Spirit and Truth podcast or download the In Spirit and Truth iPhone or Android mobile app. Now, here's Pastor J.D. and Job, chapter 15, with today's edition of In Spirit and Truth. He has tasted from this cup of unspeakable pain and suffering and calamity, so much so that it has given him a compassion for anyone that would have a similar fate. And this is something that I'm also learning in my walk with the Lord, and that's how that hardship and affliction have a way of softening us and making us more compassionate to others. I think it was Oswald Chambers that actually said this, and it went something like this. He said that if we knew what that other person was really going through, we would be a lot kinder to them. We'd be a lot kinder to them if we only knew what they were experiencing and what they were going through, we would be a lot kinder to them. I think you've heard the expression, uh, you don't know what it's like until you've walked a mile in somebody else's shoes. And what Job is saying here is, listen, I, at the time I needed it the most, compassion and comfort and prayer and encouragement. What, what I needed the most you have withheld from me. And I'm going to tell you that if you were the one sitting here on the sash heap, and you're scraping your boils with sharp objects just with the hope of some relief, I would not do this to you. Because I'm on the receiving end of you doing this to me. I won't do that to you. I would comfort you. I think as we get older in our lives, God uh, breaks our hearts and softens us so that we're more compassionate to people. I I was thinking about this this last week. We had a memorial service. we got another memorial service coming up as well. And uh, Carol went home to be with the Lord, and, and you have to know that this woman was such a blessing in my life personally. And uh, it was one of the hardest memorial services I've ever done. And I was just thinking to myself how that, you know, the older you get, the softer you get. You would think it would be the other way around. 
you know, the older you get, the tougher you get. You know, you've been around the block, you know, no. The older you get, the softer you get. I think, I think humility comes into play as well. Because, you know, when, when you've been through life experiences, and you've been beat up a few times, and you've tasted from the cup of adversity and suffering, it just gives you a real compassion and a real softness and a real, you know, desire to really be kind to people. When you're younger, not so much. I was thinking about when I was a, a new believer, I, I didn't have the compassion that I have today, but that's because I didn't go through all of those experiences that I, you know, have gone through. You know, it's like what the Apostle Paul wrote to the Corinthians about comforting others. We talked about this on Sunday, comforting others with the comfort you yourself were on the receiving end of from God, when God comforted you, when you were going through a difficult time in your life. Well, now you can comfort other people that are going through a difficult time like you went through with that comfort that you received from God when you went through it. Here's a second thought, and it's really quite uh, powerful. It's actually a type that, uh, in terms of typology. But Job is crying out uh, from his heart, pouring out his heart, and he's in effect pleading for a mediator in verse 21. And that mediator that he is crying out for will be answered yet future, in and through the person of Jesus Christ, who is the mediator, capital M, between God and man. This is First Timothy chapter 2, verse 5. I hope you know that Jesus is in every book of the Bible, in every chapter, in some cases, of every book of the Bible. From Genesis 1-1, in the beginning, let uh, God created the heavens and the earth. Let us, not I, create let us, that's the Trinity, create man in our image. That Jesus is there in Genesis 1. 1 Timothy 2.5 says, For there is one God and one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus. What Job doesn't know is that in his despair, coming to the end of himself, he is pleading to God for a mediator, and unbeknownst to him, he is speaking of and pointing to the person of Jesus Christ. He continues on, uh, it just makes you want to cry. <laughs> Chapter 17, verse 1, my spirit is broken. My days are extinguished. The grave is ready for me. Are not mockers with me? And does not my eye dwell on their provocation? Now, Put down a pledge for me with yourself. Who is he who will shake hands with me? For you have hidden their heart from understanding. Therefore you will not exalt them. He who speaks, verse 5, flattery to his friends, even the eyes of his children will fail. But he has made me a byword of the people, and I have become one who, in whose face men spit. Oh, by the way, let me parenthetically say, in the Middle East today, if someone spits in your face, that is the ultimate expression of disrespect and dishonor. 
If you're in the Middle East, by the way, if you ever go to Israel with us, don't ever spit in anyone's face because you're a goner. (laughs) You never do that. It is the ultimate expression of disrespect and dishonor. And what Job is saying is, they they have disrespected me in the strongest of terms and dishonored me. They have, in effect, spit in my face. My eye, verse 7, has also grown dim because of sorrow, and all my members are like shadows. Uh, One commentator drew a really graphic description of Job, as hideous as he would have appeared outwardly. His body right now, can you imagine, he doesn't have an appetite. His body is just shriveling away. His bones are certainly now starting to show through his uh, skin. And he is just, you know, basically shriveling away. And in, in the eyes, when you're, first of all, he's been crying so hard. Have you ever cried so hard that your eyes basically, you, you know, are your vision's blurry and your eyes are so sore and so red and they're basically even not even really open up, up all the way and they burn? He says, Upright men, verse 8, are astonished at this, at the innocent, and the innocent stirs himself up against the hypocrite. Yet the righteous will hold to his way, and he who has clean hands will be stronger and stronger. But please, come back again, all of you, for I shall not find one wise man among you. My days are past, my purposes are broken off, even the thoughts of my heart, They change the night into day. The light is near, they say, in the face of darkness. If I wait for the grave as my house, if I make my bed in the darkness, if I say to corruption, you are my father, and to the worm, you are my mother and my sister, where then is my hope? As for my hope, who can see it? Will they go down to the gates of Sheol? Shall we have rest together in the dust. Oh my goodness. (laughs) Chapter 17 is uh, another difficult chapter. It's hard to read. But when you kind of peel back the layers, it's almost like Job, now that he's given into despair, he's actually sort of taking comfort in knowing that eventually this has to come to an end. I mean, eventually I'm going to die. If anything, I'm going to die just because I'm going to shrivel away and die. And at least that will bring it to an end. In other words, he has truly come to the end of himself, and he's resigned himself to what he perceives to be inevitable. And he finds some consolation in that, but God Oh, Job, just hang in there a little bit longer. If you only knew what God has in store for you, it is that which you could have never imagined. You think God is against you? Oh, you'll see. God is for you more than you could ever know. Chapter 18. Ah, see, we're going to make it through. Oh, ye of little faith. (laughs) Verse 1. Remember this guy? 
Bildad the Shuhite, the shortest man ever recorded in human history. He was only Shuhite. Remember him? No, I just, it's, yeah, it's, it's, I can't help myself. It was there. I thought I'd do it again. That's how I remember this guy. Bildad the Shuhite answered and said, How long till you put an end to words? Gain understanding, and afterward we will speak. You know what he's saying? He's saying, are you ever going to stop talking? Why don't you get a clue first, gain understanding, and then we'll talk. How about that? Jesus, this is, this is, uh, well, verse 3. <laughs> Why are we counted as beasts and regarded as stupid in your sight? You who tear yourself in anger, shall the earth be forsaken for you? Or shall the rock be removed from its place? The light of the wicked, verse 5, indeed goes out, and the flame of his fire does not shine. The light is dark in his tent, and his lamp beside him is put out. The steps of his strength are shortened, and his own counsel casts him down. For he is cast into a net by his own feet, and he walks into a snare. The net takes him by the heel, and a snare lays hold of him. A noose is hidden for him on the ground, and a trap for him in the road. Terrors frighten him on every side, and drive him to his feet. His strength is starved, and destruction is ready at his side. It devours patches of his skin. You know, (laughs) it's about right now, when he says that, you know, it devours patches of his skin, and he's saying that to me, and I'm looking at him as I'm scraping my skin, and he's saying that about that. The firstborn of death devours his limbs. He is uprooted from the shelter of his tent, and they parade him before the king of terrors. They dwell in his tent, who are none of his. Brimstone is scattered on his dwelling. His roots are dried out below, and his branch withers above. The memory of him perishes from the earth, and he has no name among the renowned. He is driven from light into darkness and chased out of the world. (laughs) This one's going to hurt. Verse 19, He has neither son nor posterity among his people. He had seven sons. He had posterity. Now he has none. How about that? How about that? Why don't you just build that, the Shuhite? Why don't you just take that knife and why don't you just, why don't you just start twisting it more and more? Do you find satisfaction in that? Are you enjoying this? Nor any remaining in his dwellings. Those, verse 20, in the west are astonished at his day, as those in the east are frightened. Surely such are the dwellings of the wicked. You're a wicked man, Job. You have sin, Job. Surely such are the dwellings of a man like you, Job, in all of your wickedness. 
And this is the place, and this is how we're going to end, and I want you to pay particular attention to what he says here. And this is the place of him who does not know God. Oh, wow. What did you just say? Did you just say that I don't know God? Yeah. How about that? You know what this is uh, akin to? This is akin to... A Christian, as one calls them, well-intentioned dragon, this is akin to a well-intentioned dragon accusing you of not even being saved. How about that? He's accusing and rebuking of Job is so insidious And so relentless, he's assigning this wickedness to Job, and even goes as far as saying, you're not even saved. You're so wicked. Maybe it would stand to reason that if Job did knowingly have, I want you to think this through with me, because I want to try to, Ah, make some sense out of it, because I kind of need to. I think you do too. Because if we don't make sense out of this, we're going to be very frustrated. Um, Don't you think, think about this, and, and see if you agree with me on this. Don't you think that if Job had secret sin in his life, he would have repented by now? I mean, he even begged God, God, I know of no sin. But if I have sinned against you, please show me what it is so that I can repent and bring this to an end. What is it? What have I done, God? Surely Job would have in a second repented of any sin long ago. Certainly by now he would have, if that would have brought this to an end. But to suggest that he's not even saved? He's asserting that Job doesn't even know God. And here's what's sad. Here's what's sad, and I'm almost done. This is the plight of many a Christian who has been on the receiving end of someone questioning whether or not they're even saved. That is, to me, one of the most hurtful things to ever say to anybody. Listen, um, by their fruits you shall know them. I like how one uh, said it. Uh, We're not judges wearing the robe. We're fruit inspectors wearing a badge. Right? So... um, I think we do err greatly, and I I don't know how else to say this without being too strong when I say it. I think that one of the most hurtful things that we could ever say to anybody is to question whether or not they're really saved. That is the height of arrogance. That is the height of spiritual pride. Because what you're doing, in effect, is you're putting on the robe of a judge. 
and you're posturing yourself in the place of God. Now, does that mean that we don't, when we see somebody that professes to be a Christian, I mean, that's, there's a difference between being a judge and having judgment. Someone professes to be a Christian, says they're a Christian, yet you look at their life, there's no fruit. That's not what I'm talking about here. I'm, I'm talking about somebody that is born again of the Spirit of God, and then you have the audacity to question whether or not they're a Christian or not. That is the height of spiritual pride, and I think we are never, no, I don't think, I know, we are never more like the devil than when we're full of pride. We're never more like Satan than when we're full of pride, because Satan is the epitome of pride. He is the personification of pride. Well, I don't want to end on that note, <laughs> but I might have to. I want to close with this quote from uh, Chambers again concerning this. This is what he had to say. He says, there are countless experiences like Job's today. Men are being called atheists who were not atheists at all, but are simply rebelling against the presentation of God, which is being thrust upon them. If to accept a presentation of God means the denial of things he knows to be facts, a man is in a better case who says with Job, I will not accept an explanation of God which makes me call a fact not a fact. This is what Job will do and remain steadfast in throughout the entirety of this very intense book. He will not accept what they are telling him. He will not accept or call a fact a fact that is not a fact. He will not accept it from them. To do so would be to betray the God he knows and still believes in. He, he still believes in God. He's still a believer, if you will. And he will never relinquish that belief, because to do so would be to, in effect, curse God, which he will never do. Satan doesn't know that. God knows that. That's why God allows Satan to do what Satan is doing. Because in the end, he will not sin. He will not curse God. He will not betray this God that he still believes in. Because he has someone like this trying to convince him to call a fact that is not a fact. The fact remains that this God can be trusted, and Job will remain true to the end. Thanks for listening to In Spirit and Truth. We hope Pastor J.D. Farag's message from the book of Job has blessed you and given you hope in the midst of your own life struggles. If you'd like to hear additional teachings from Pastor J.D., simply visit our website at inspiritandtruthradio.com and click on Listen at the top of the page. There you'll find a link to subscribe to our podcast or you can download messages to share with your family and friends. Are you a part of a church family? The Bible urges us to find fellowship with other believers, not only for purposes of community, but also for the health of your own personal spiritual walk. 
You too can contribute valuable and unique gifts to the body of Christ, giving support in the ways God has designed you to. If you're in the Kaneohe area, we'd be thrilled to welcome you to our fellowship here at Calvary Chapel Kaneohe. Our weekly services are on Sundays at 8.30 and 10.45 a.m. and Thursdays at 7 p.m. We focus on studying God's Word and worshiping our Creator, all while getting to know each other better through Christ's love. Location information and directions can be found by going to InSpiritAndTruthRadio.com and clicking on Calvary Chapel Kaneohe at the bottom of the page. We're excited to share this time with you in person, and we're so glad you spent time with us here today on In Spirit and Truth. May God bless you as you continue to study His Word and follow His path for your life. Pastor J.D. will have more to share from the book of Job when you tune in next time, right here on In Spirit and Truth. <laughs> 